your microphone's not on. Oh. It sounds like you're in a toilet. Does that work? That's better. Do I sound like I'm on the toilet now? No, you won't. I mean, I don't know, but no, not. not as How do you know what I sound like on the toilet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so you sound like you sound like you could be in the toilet, a bathroom. Yeah, a bathroom. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm not Good sure start. that's the best start for the podcast. <laughs> so, have you watched anything this last few weeks? Have I watched anything? Well, it's been quite a while since I watched the films we are reviewing. So, just a word of warning on that it may not be as thorough as it normally is. But apart from the films, I don't think I really have. I've been doing some TV stuff, but it's really not noteworthy tv stuff actually i have to admit this is a shocker but you know i'm comfortable in my choices i have started watching a bit of that married at first sight australia (laughs) (laughs) i think lots of people watch it i mean most of my colleagues watch it i think so yeah but they're probably of a certain gender sarah i mean it's a mixed 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 it's one of those ones where i mean i have seen many of them it's like I'm declaring this now. Maybe I've mentioned this before. I mean, it's a proper guilty pleasure. And I'm getting slightly tired of how the format gets eked out more and more and, you know, less happens in an entire episode. But I suppose the only interesting thing about it is betting with yourself how quickly couples are going to last. Do you know what? I've never watched it. Have you not? No. I never watched the UK one either, so. The UK one was awful. The, right. It started in the States and they had a few series, I think. And then the UK tried it. And I mean, it was it was terrible, I thought. And then Australia did it, which was just typically Australian. Very direct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just yeah, say but that's that. Australians, I think. What have you been watching? So Upload, it's good. The second series is equally as good as the first series. And it's basically when someone dies, they can be uploaded to live in this digital world instead. And they get visited by angels and they can provide what they need. And uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's really good fun. It's, it's kind of a dark comedy, let's just say. So it's like they're being uploaded into kind of a real life metaverse. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's, re- it's, but it's actually real. Yes. It's good. It's good. Check it out. Check it out. Also seen last night in Soho. So watched that quite a while ago, actually. But that was that's quite scary, isn't it? Freaked me out a little bit, especially Diana Riggs' character. Oh, yes. No, you're right. That's right. I remember now. It, yeah. it kind of goes from like typical Edgar Wright scary kind of stuff to full on horror, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah. Thomas and Mackenzie. I think we're going to see much more of her who played Eloise in the film. And then uh, I also watched Spencer with Kristen Stewart. I thought she'd have a strong chance to win the Oscar, actually. But Jessica Chastain, we wanted her to win an Oscar. And look what she's done. She's got an Oscar. Get on her. I know. So that's the eyes of Tammy Faye, isn't it? When I saw that she'd won, I was a little bit like, yes, because she is yeah. one of our favourites, isn't she? But she looks completely different. She looks like an I older know. lady. Yeah. It's like, Mrs. Strange. it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire, yes. But that was <laughs> that was Robin Williams. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know. And then it's Turning Red, 
was a good one I watched on oh um, yes Disney of Plus. course I saw Disney that one I did see that one I loved it it wasn't like one of their very best but it was still just really enjoyable I loved it yeah Pixar movie and I enjoyed it as well I actually enjoyed it more in, than Encanto strangely well Rumor which has Rumor got an Oscar there. as well and there apparently there might be a second Encanto film I think I okay. saw so anyway what films we're going to cover this week so we've got West Side Story and the other one is Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. So what are we going to do first? West Side Story. West Side Story. Um, so this directed obviously by Steven Spielberg, written by Tony Kushner and Arthur Lawrence, starring Ansel Elgort, Rachel Zegler and Ariana DeBose. So this was nominated for four Oscars, which included Best Supporting actress for ariana debose best director best picture it won didn't it ariana got her oscar which yeah. super well deserved spielberg lost out best director to jane campion for power of the dog this was by being nominated in the best director category bit of a trivia spielberg became the first person to be nominated for the academy award for best director over six consecutive decades there you go mm. Trivia straight off the bat. So this is the second screen adaptation of the famous Broadway musical, the first being the 1961 release, which is widely considered to be one of the best musicals of all time, won a massive 10 Oscars, which is the most of any musical film to date. Spielberg's version is more faithful to the stage play but aside from switching the order of some of the numbers and introducing a new character it's pretty similar to the 61 movie so west side story if you don't know it's the story of forbidden love a retelling of the classic romeo and juliet the film was set in 1950s new york it tells the culture clash story of two white and hispanic rival gangs the jets and the sharks we've got tony and riff who are the gang leaders of the jets but after serving a jail sentence tony who is played by ansel elgort he's out on parole and he decides that he wants to step back from the gang and doesn't want to get in trouble so he's taken in by valentina who owns the local candy store where tony works for her and that is one of the new characters valentina in the original film it was Valentina's husband who was the main character who ran the store for that particular film. So Tony's done with gang life and is doing his best to keep out of trouble, despite Riff, the new leader, trying to lure him back in. But things change at a local dance when Tony meets Maria, the young sister of rival gang leader of the Sharks, Bernardo. So they both fall in love instantly, all at a time when Riff decides he wants to meet with Bernardo and arrange a rumble, which is basically their phrase for a turf fight. And this is supposed to be a winner-takes-all turf war. Maria gets wind of this, tries to persuade Tony to get Rift to call it off with fatal consequences. So I will leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, before I even give you my opinion, I'll pass it over to you. So I've watched both. I watched the new one first and then I just was curious to see what the 1961 one was like as well and actually there's not much difference I would say but you can tell me differently in a minute I did like the fact that both uh, Ariana uh, DeBose has won the Oscar 
for it. And then you had Rita Marino also won the Oscar for playing Anita. So I like the fact that they both done achieved tick in the box for both of them. And um, it's taken me ages to get the music. In fact, you've now, because we're talking about it, <laughs> the music is going to stick in my mind. I kept on bursting into songs like Maria and America at dinner times and cooking and things like that. And I think everybody just thought I was a bit bonkers. But these are Stephen Sondheim's great songs. And unfortunately, died just before this was released at the cinema in November last year. But it was his first musical for stage. And, you know, you can find this right now on Disney Plus. And if you remember, Sodheim was also mentioned or was it wrapped around him in a tick tick boom. So it's interesting now to see him in the, this as being his musical and the comparison of what tick tick boom represented as well. I would say. In the comparison of the two, I think Rachel Zegler, the more recent Maria, has definitely a stronger voice. And uh, when she was told, you know, she's got the role, she then had Shazam given to her pretty much on a plate to say, we would like you to participate in this film. And there were some other films as well, um, even before they'd seen her in action in in a Steven Spielberg film. But these directors knew that she was snapped up by Spielberg and it just goes a long way that she then gets picked up by other production companies and directors as well. So Rachel Zegler, who played Maria, she really strong voice. And I thought the former 1961 lead character had a stronger voice than Ansel Elgort. I think his voice was was good, but and and he did you know sing him live, and so did Rachel Zegler, but I just felt that it just needed a bit of oomph. It's not he's not like he's a Piers Brosnan in in a, like Mum Mirror or anything like that. He can actually sing, but I just felt there was a lack of oomph in his um, performance, and I think there's been some mixed reviews about his performance in this as well. It was the first time I've watched West Side Story and took me a little while to get used to dancing on the streets right at the start. But then, you know, once once you see more of that, you kind of get used to it. I like the way they click the fingers to almost show a sort of group aggression or a statement, for example. I found Riff a little bit annoying in the new this new version, Tony's best friend. I much preferred the 1961 Russ uh, Tamblin's his voice. It was like like this, you know, I kind of talk like this, and it was really annoying all the way through. <laughs> I can do it now because I've got a cold and I've got a bunged up nose, so I can actually do that kind of voice. But yeah, it was quite annoying all the way through. Whereas the original, I think Russ Tamblin nailed it a bit more, less whiny, and and he, there was a bit more of a connection between Tony and his his best buddy Riff in the 1961. I shouldn't really compare the two. Really, I should probably just look at uh, this 2022 uh, release on its own but yeah I'm, I mean I liked it I like I liked it um yes it is a Romeo and Juliet story you know what the ending's going to be like and it's a bit of a shame that it is like that in some respects I was hoping there'll be a happier ending because there's real ups and downs all the way through the film and it would have been nice if they could turn something around I, I don't know I guess the turning around is is as we know Romeo and Juliet is, is the two gangs supporting each other right at the end I guess. Would you agree with that? Would you have liked to have seen it slightly twisted and slightly different? Probably not. I, I quite like no. the fact that there's a dark side of it. What I don't get in this, and it's nothing to do with whether it's Spielberg or the, the previous director, I don't know. I don't understand where the parents are. Where are the parents in this film? All right, you've got Valentina, who's like the more mature person telling Tony, you know, be careful, blah, 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 blah. But 
where are any of the parents involved involvement here? They must be aware that their child is or teen. Would you say they're teens or I, I can't work out whether they're teens or whether they're sort of young adults, like 20, early 20s or not. I couldn't work that out. And then you get Lieutenant Shrank, who's kind of telling them what to do and everything. And, and surely you kind of think well, modern day, wouldn't it go back to the parents or do they not have any parents or, or what? So you don't really see any of like mother waving her arm going, don't you do that again kind of scenario that I think they should have added that or have a stronger Valentina maybe she could have been a bit more forceful but she was a bit more sympathetic almost and I, I don't know on that one but then um, Spielberg's films are very personal to him and this was dedicated to his uh, World War II veteran dad and his father died when this film was due to come out in 2020 as well the original date it was going to come out but they moved it back and you know I'm a big Spielberg fan. I mean, I just really also wanted to compare the two and watch the older film. It made me watch the older film. And normally, you know, I'm like, I like to watch the newer films rather than the old, the oldies. Yeah, I, I like both of them and um, not too dissimilar. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the film? When I first watched it, I actually, I did it the opposite way around. I watched the old film first mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then watched the new film. One of the joys of this podcast is when we have a film that is an iteration of an original and it makes us go back and watch a well-known film from yesteryear that we wouldn't typically do. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I never would have, to be quite honest, bothered probably to sit down and watch West Side Story had it not been for the fact that we were doing this one. And I really liked the original. I mm. particularly liked what they did with the cinematography of it. I thought it had, and and I think you saw this as well in the credits, the kind of design of the credits. I just thought it, I was watching it thinking, I imagine for its day, this really was quite cutting edge in terms of how they were combining the musical, which probably at that time, musicals were probably known for like the golden era of cinema, where it was all kind of very flamboyant and over the top. Mm. Whereas this was taking quite a serious story with quite serious subjects and you know and and adding that musical to it I I just really liked it I thought it was really gritty I don't think I'd seen a musical quite like that no I haven't yeah and it was a little bit kind of rough around the edges there was just something about the aesthetic of the lighting in some of the shots they had these amazing scenes some of the set numbers one in particular where they just had this incredible kind of red lighting uh, over some of the sets like really quite artistic stuff I thought so yeah I was I was really quite pleasantly surprised by that so watching the new one and you're right I mean you should just compare the two but it's kind of inevitable in in some ways isn't it you know we talked about it last podcast with E.T. that you know you know Spielberg's not going to put much of a foot wrong when it comes to films he makes, especially when they're particularly dear to him, which in this case, retelling West Side Story, which had such huge accolades, you know, you know, it's going to be a passion project. And so from the way in which he brought this to the screen, the dance numbers, the colour that he brought to it, the performances, there's not much you can really pick at I think it's more just a question of whether the characters float your boat however I do agree with you on the two things you've said and I had kind of forgotten about them but Riff's accent did kind of grate on me as well and I thought he was I mean I'm not going to say caricature because I don't I don't think that's fair 
because his accent is of its environment. But there was something about it which felt a little bit exaggerated, maybe. Uh, and it did great on me. But having said that, I thought he was, had an incredible presence about him, that actor. Mike Face, that is. And I do also agree that Ansel Elgort, you're right, he was kind of good, but I, I think he could have been punchier. And I thought the chemistry between him and, you know, Rachel Zegler plays Maria. Again, you know, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was like knockout. I didn't think, wow. And I don't remember thinking the same thing about the original film, which you've kind of, you know, kind of alluded Mm. to yourself, like the chemistry between Natalie Wood, who played Maria and Richard Bamer, who played Tony. Having said that, when you're watching the 61 film, of course, it's very well known for the fact that these weren't Hispanic actors at all. You know, they they use heavy makeup to give them a much darker skin tone. And obviously, that is very much of its time. It's easy to kind of say how outrageous that is now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. of the time, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And obviously, Spielberg, one of the things he was very keen on is making sure he had Hispanic actors playing all of those roles. So those two things, I would say, are negatives. But I would yeah. say that they're minor negatives, because I still would say this is a, a very watchable and a very handsome film with some particularly good set pieces. I mean, the America track, when they, I mean, because Spielberg's one of the changes he did make, he brought that big set piece down into the street rather than up on the roof, which is one of the famous ones. I thought that was amazing. I thought it was brilliant. And, you know, I didn't actually mention in the summary of the film at the beginning about, you mentioned it, Ariana DeBose plays Anita. You know, Anita is... Bernardo's girlfriend, and they live together along with Maria, who obviously is Bernardo's younger sister. So that relationship between Anita, who kind of almost plays the plays the older sister and best friend mm. to Maria, yeah. is obviously a very very key relationship in the film. And you know, <clears throat> it's a great character because it is Anita who you know will put Bernardo in his place. It'll be Anita who's trying to ensure that Bernardo doesn't go off the rails. She doesn't want to end up like many others she knows with six children and no money. She's got ambitions. She's smart. She's clever. And so, you know, her character really does stand out, even though, of course, you know, it's mainly Tony, Maria and Bernardo in terms of the plot. But yeah, so I just wanted to say that because in a strange way, she's probably the best thing in it. I mean, she won the Oscar. Yeah. And when I watched it, I thought, wow, she's she's going to go places. I mean, she's playing yeah. a very dominant character anyway, but you could just you can just mm. tell that she was. It's mm. almost like, I mean, she is that bit older anyway, but she kind of just seemed to have that slight more, as an actor, there just seemed to be a bit more oomph and a bit more maturity and a bit more complexity about her performance i thought mm. um well she's also from hamilton so she was uh, a performer in hamilton so she's got that theatrical experience i think they you know they won plenty of awards hamilton herself and 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 winning an olivier award and then moving to an oscar is is quite an achievement to be honest yeah and a lot of the cast have come from like you say from that stage background rachel zegler who plays maria on stage she was from the Bergen Performing Arts Centre. I think many others of the cast, I was, I was watching an interview, have played different characters on stage, you know, whether it's college or performing arts school, um, from West Side Story. So it's, I think they're all kind of quite baffled that some of them have actually ended up in this incredible Spielberg film. In terms of your comment about 
where are the parents? There was a line that was added into this for Spielberg's version that I believe came from Anita in one of the scenes with Bernardo, where there is a reference to the parents as a subtle reference that wasn't in the original. But to your point of like, just in general, you're assuming the age group of of these guys, these gang members, guess what you're going to say between 16 and 18, maybe they could even be some of them being a bit old. It's not particularly sure. Obviously, they're certainly not at school. I think you're parented all the way through your life, to be honest, even if you're 40, there'll be like somebody parenting you if, if your parents still around. True. But I mean, I suppose if you're the kind of person who is in a gang out doing this kind of stuff, I mean, I suppose if you start to bring in parents as characters i wonder whether whilst that might help explain a few it's going to be mm. distracting from from the main mm. story mm. but yeah i mean mm. i suppose i take your point i mean i'm looking at a photo right now and there's like of the jets and it looks like there's about 12 or 15 of them so yeah i mean in reality i suppose you might you might question that yeah. um, i mean i haven't got loads to say like i watched the film and it's a spielberg film and i kind of got to the end um and i thought yeah well that was that was really good but I, as I say, having watched the original, I just thought Spielberg's was just slick and colourful and just very watchable, very entertaining. I, I would almost say in some ways it's quite conventional, quite safe. Whereas I actually thought that some of the stuff that I saw in the 61 film just had a bit more edge to it. And it was almost a bit more adventurous in watching it now, I felt, than, than Spielberg's. I've almost felt Spielberg's was a really, really fantastic, well-made homage celebration, if you like, of that original film, but maybe didn't quite have the cutting edge, which which I, I like. Yeah, so I mean, with Jerome Robbins and, and Robert Wise were the directors of the first one in 1961. I think there was more energy in the dancing in the first one versus the second one. The, the second one did look smoother. It did look maybe like easy, maybe. And I think the the boy, the men in it looked a bit older than the ones in the new version as well. So I think they got the casting a bit better, I think, in obviously in the, in the Spielberg version. But I like the fact that Spielberg, you know, 60 years on, and this, this brilliant score has been going on for 60 years, that they brought this back so that... M- the can't say it. Millennials can now see this, and I'm wondering what else is going to come out now because you know we're looking at Greece potentially. Is that 50 years on now, coming up um, to 50 years on potentially? And I don't know. Would you really want them to do a Greece new version? That's the question. I think that the old version Greece is just perfect as it is. So I think they need to look at older ones than Greece potentially. But yeah, I would be concerned if they started to say that. Oh yeah we're bringing a new Greece out, replacing John Travolta as as Danny Zuko, for example. It, it, you can't do that. <laughs> Too they, strong characters. But sadly, that's just what it's they do, isn't it? It's going to happen one they, day, they, 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 yeah. they, they take something, often they see the opportunity that's yeah. anniversary anyway, and it's a bankable film, isn't it? It's the same, yeah. like you say, if they do it with Greece, they redo anything that was big in its time. There's enough interest that people will watch it. Although, interestingly, West Side Story didn't do very well at the box office initially. I think it has done mm-hmm. since because mm-hmm. of all the Oscar attention, but it, yeah. it didn't. I think in its first week or two, it was actually p- performed particularly badly. But no, I'm with you. Oh, that's a really interesting one. Would I prefer to watch, you know, an original screenplay movie that was interesting and adventurous and different to 
watching Spielberg doing his version of West Side Story. And I've got to be mm. honest, as much as I love Spielberg, and like I said before, it's not like I can particularly fault the film. I'm not sure. I, I think I, I think there is definitely an argument to say that I prefer to see more original cinema than, as you say, the predictable regurgitation of, of old classics, whether it's yeah. musicals or anything else. I mean, to, to a degree, I know Scream's slightly different because it was a franchise, but they still saw the opportunity of bringing them all back for an anniversary and did a lot of the marketing kind of off the back of that. Yeah, and I think there's only about three members of the, the original cast from of West Side Story. Very few that are still alive today. And and Rita Moreno is in her nineties now, and she played Valentina. So I think that's great. Anyway, I I'm a big Spielberg fan. I thought it was very fun to watch. Obviously, at the end, it was just like, oh, really? Uh, because of <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. That's how Romeo and Juliet ends. And I like a happy ending. I think I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. You do like a happy ending. I like the fact that even though you watched the original and you knew how it was going to end, you still were <laughs> on to that hope that it was going to be happy. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it eight and a half, actually. Okay. Yeah. I miss to say, kind of, you end up being super critical, don't you? Um, mm, um, mm. No, they're both good scores. Both good scores anyway. So shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, just let me go and get some a hanky whilst I sob uncontrollably. Uh, of the, <laughs> the, the, oh, film, yeah. the film we're about to. Can I just say before we oh, you, you give us the lowdown on Still Magnolias, <laughs> I remember the last podcast we had, I may well have got it confused with Beaches, which is also a, quite a tragic film, but but let's just face it, there, there is some tragedy in the, final part, of the, in the part, yes. final part of this film. Yes. I can't remember whether this was comedy or romance, to be honest. It's listed as comedy, drama and romance on IMDb. This film, Still Magnolia, was released in 1989 at PG. So you can watch it as a Sunday afternoon film with anyone of all ages. Uh, and a great film our cast. It's got Shirley MacLaine, Olympia Dukakis, Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Daryl Hannah and Julia Roberts. And then you've got Tom Skerritt thrown in there as well. And uh, there are some some other male characters, but predominantly female uh, led. Uh, it's directed by Herbert Ross and the screenplay is by Robert Harling. It's set in a small Louisiana town and you follow Malin, who's played by Sally Field and her family and her closely friends as well. Julia Roberts plays her daughter, Shelby, who is a diabetic. Uh, She gets married and wants a family of her own, which turns things upside down. There is very strong bond between the two and they gather at Truvy's Dolly Parton's beauty parlour to gossip vent have some laughs and share some losses as well here you also find Truvy's um, religious and geeky assistant Anil who's played by Daryl Hannah you've got Claire who is played by Dukakis and, and Louisa who's played by Shirley MacLaine and I think those three characters provide the humour and light in the film but there is some dark moments or sad moments and that's what I think Robbie you were insinuating at the start with having to go and get some tissues. I hadn't seen it for a while and I, I kind of look at my own set of friends, my own close-knit group of girlfriends as well and these ladies and importance and friendship. It certainly portrays that in the film. And I like the teasing of Malin's husband drum with Oiza as well. And it just gives you a real taste of Southern States of America and warmth of family and, and friendship, really. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts, really. I said it before with West Side Story, I just thought it's so watchable. The characters and the actors who play them 
I mean, they're all so, so well-respected. I mean, maybe with the exception of Dolly Parton, who apparently really wound up the director. The director of this film, Herbert Ross, had a reputation, apparently, for being very, very mean on set. I think on numerous occasions, laid into Dolly Parton, basically saying that she just couldn't act, to which I think she used to respond, well, that's your job, is to just to help me act. Um, but I don't think you really noticed that when you watched it. You know, Dolly Parton is the only one that wouldn't be, I mean, yes, she'd done nine to five, but she wasn't a bona fide actor, obviously in the same level as Sally Field or Shirley MacLaine. But all of them as an ensemble were just a delight, really. As a story of close-knit friendship, obviously in this particular case, six women, I just thought it was delightful. And it was one of those films that you kind of really did feel as, you know, kind of came very much straight from the heart. And there was so much humour about it. All of the characters and the actors, you know, we mentioned also Tom Skerritt, they all just seem so kind of comfortable in their skin. Yeah. So all the performances are just so effortless. You genuinely can just believe you're in this escapist like Louisiana town, as you say, where the most important thing are the relationships and helping their friends. And, you know, there's not obviously much of a male presence apart from Tom Skerritt's, the father figure who's, you know, who comes across more as an amusing irritant to, <laughs> to Shirley MacLaine's character until at least further on in the film. It's obviously, it's the film for all of this female ensemble cast. It was based on a true story. And, and I didn't know that. I mean, I'd seen this film before and I was fascinated to learn that it was written by Robert Harling, who originally wrote this as a play based on his own experiences so he Mm. he was the father and if people really really like this film then i would highly recommend having a little snoop around youtube because there is a really sweet little talk that robert harling does to i think like literally in some town hall somewhere where he explains where the story came from in terms of his real life and his own family shelby being his daughter the events that unfold in the film to do with shelby and when shelby has a baby and the storyline that kind of follows that that's all real the characters all of the friends are based on people he knew in this Mm. very small town and i think what's interesting is that that i could go back to what i said before it has this real kind of warm feeling to it and i think Mm -hmm. the fact that it's based on a true story and the script the dialogue just feels so kind of real. And I really like the way that whilst humour creates this even keel throughout the whole film to keep you engaged. I mean, they're all very funny characters, some very, very funny. Shirley McCain's character is is fantastic and, and her kind of love-hate relationship she has with Olympia Dukakis's character, Olympia, is absolutely priceless. I mean, it really mm. is. As I say, Julia Roberts just coming off Mystic Pizza, I think. You know, Sally Field, we know all about her. Daryl Hannah was kind of perfect. But as I say, it, it just, they were all, the script was so sharp, the characters were so smart, the dialogue was brilliant. And I think what it did was, it just completely, it's almost like a piece of escapist Sunday afternoon cinema. It's like you want to be in that mm. town. You just want to be amongst them. They're, they're just at heart the lovely people that care for each other. And so whether it's reflective of your 
friendship group, whether it's male, female or whatever. It didn't feel like saccharine. It didn't feel over the top or cringeworthy. It felt incredibly genuine, which is why the third act of the film makes it I mean, I'm not going to talk about obviously because people haven't seen it. I, I was I was destroyed when I was mm. watching it, and I'd seen it before, and it's like I was watching it thinking, "Oh, okay, yeah, I now know what's going to happen," but it didn't matter. It absolutely didn't matter. But I mean, I'm terrible when it comes to watching films. I think I've mentioned this to you before. For some reason, since having children, any story which has an element of trauma, let's just say, between parents and children, I'm a goner. It's like something uncontrollable inside of me. But I think it's because you have invested so much in these amazing characters and their story and their struggles that by the time you get to that part of the film, it's so affecting. Well, I I thought it was anyway. No, I'm exactly the same. I was in, I was booing as well. I was in tears. I think I sent you a an icon, or <laughs> well, you sent me an icon uh, on, on WhatsApp or something, yeah. But um, Julia Roberts, I mean, she was nominated for an Oscar for this in 1989. Uh, she missed out to Gene Davis uh, in The Accidental Tourist, but she did go on to win, uh, or she won before the Golden Globe for her role as Shelby. I mean, I think Julia Roberts and, and Sally Field make this film because... Julia Roberts' smile is always so infectious. And I think we mentioned this in Pretty Woman. And she just, she always does a great job, draws you in, you connect with her. And that's what Sally Field does as well. And yeah, I, I really booed in this film. But um, Winona Ryder and Meg Ryan were, were nearly played Shelby. They thought Winona was too young and Meg wanted to play When Harry Met Sally instead, which, uh, you know, she was definitely right for that film, which was a much bigger role for her. And then you've got Betty Davis, Catherine Hepburn and Elizabeth Taylor thought it was a role for them as well. The slightly older ladies in it. And uh, apparently Herbert Ross wanted some younger cast, really. And when you think about younger cast, actually... Dolly Parton and Sally Field are the same age as me when they played this film. And that's quite shocking because for me, I think of them as much older. But Dolly Parton's waist is tiny, teeny, tiny, isn't it? Good grief. Uh, Daryl Hannah had, was in her purple patch. She'd done Wall Street and Roxanne and she also done Splash a few years before. They weren't sure whether to cast her in this because they felt that she was too pretty. And they really, when she came, turned up for, for casting, she really wanted this character and she really put on the glasses and everything like that and made her look a bit geeky and she got the role. But I always love Sally Field. As I mentioned, she always wins me over, I think. And she's been acting since she's about 16 years of age, but she's played Aunt May in Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. She's mom in Forrest Gump. She's played Mrs. Doubtfire. And she was Carrie in Smoking the Bandits as well. And she's a two-time Oscar winner for Norma Ray in The Place of the Heart. And I just love her to bits. I think she's just a very warm character. And you've got lots of warm characters. All right. Shirley MacLaine's less lesser warm and she always comes across as a or perceived as a harder loopy character and she played that kind of role in Postcards from the Edge as well uh, but she's also in terms of endearment I think Olympia Dukakis has uh, passed away recently as well hasn't she I think she passed away last year and she was an Oscar winner for Moonstruck as well so you've got all these Oscar winners the only the non-Oscar winners in this film are Dolly Parton and Daryl Hannah the rest are all Oscar winners so great acting Go on, give us a score then, Rob. What do you think? Well, I'm going to score this higher than Spielberg's West Side oh, Story. Really? Wow. Yeah, which I know, okay. is, I know is going to sound crazy. Well, actually, maybe I need to temper that slightly. No, I'm do you know? For it. Well, 
I, I don't know whether it's just I've just been a sucker for it, but I just got totally swept up in the the emotional pull of the film, which, as I said before, is is just purely down to the quality of this cast. It would be very easy to say, in some ways, that this is a bit of a chick flick. I mean, if you think of films like Mystic Pizza, Fry Green Tomatoes, Beaches, Terms of Endearment, these types of films. That's where this film sits. But as I say, for me, it was it was not really that they were female characters. Is they just did such an amazing job of pulling you into the story and yeah. the, the sucker punch towards the end. Just kind of added added some real realism to the kind of entertaining aspects of the film that came through in the kind of the humor and so i i love the fact that you also i mean we just talked about it before i do love a film that has the light and the dark and, and that i love the fact that a film that you might watch and you're not prepared for, for what might come you think it's going to be one film that's going to be you know just trundle along and it's going to be nice and and then something happens that is genuinely very jarring and and really does affect you that just gives it that realism otherwise it could have just been you know a very just safe as i say just more of a chick flick but for me that's what made it stand out so i'm going to give it nine out of ten Hey, well done. That's cool. Well, I know, I don't know why I'm saying well done, but I, I just I wasn't sure what you would give it. I thought when you saw it, I thought, oh no. Well, I'll take that. Thank you very much. I'll take that little pat on the back. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised because I thought you'd give it a much lower score. Actually, there was a bit of a plodding at the start when they were setting up for the wedding and they were acting completely doolally. They don't overact. It's just their characters are a bit bonkers. I think it's Drum and Oiza in particular at the start. But for me, it's eight out of 10. I enjoyed it, but probably I preferred West Side Story. So I'm the other way around. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the new film for this week is... Coda. We thought we'd watch a film that's had Oscar glory. So Coda, which is out on Apple TV. It stands for Kids of Deaf Adults. Yep. And this one, Best Picture, which I think was... Uh... But a pleasant surprise. I think a lot of people thought it might well have been Power of the Dog or even maybe West Side Story with a shout. But I don't know too much about it, apart from what you just kind of outlined there. As a coder, as you say, child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her passion at Berkeley College of Music and her fear of abandoning her parents. Starring Amelia Jones... Marley Matlin, Troy Kotzer, directed by Sean Heder or Hedder, not sure. So Troy Kotzer won um, the Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. So it's all good and, and brilliant it, performance, I hear. And it also won for Best Adapted Screenplay, so three Oscars. Yeah. So we kind of thought that whilst we were considering Power of the Dog, which has been on Netflix for some time now, and although is worthy of a watch, it's quite an intense film whereas this i believe is far more uplifting so hopefully yeah. more, more appealing yeah there was a joke at the oscars where there was a lady that said i've watched power of the dog three times and I haven't watched the second half yet <laughs> <laughs> wow oh, that was quite funny yeah some of the jokes were quite poor and as we know there was an incident with will smith but we won't go into that oh, well, uh, anyway. oh damn i had no. it all, i had it all prepared <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. So I'm choosing one of your films. Uh, okay. What have we got? I think we've got drama. Is it drama? Drama. Right. 
How many drama? I've got a lot of dramas. Okay, I've got 73. Wowzers. That's a lot. There may well be the odd one that I haven't taken off. But anyway, I mean, Jesus, there's enough. 73, so take your pick. Number 43. Number 43 scrolls down and it's Dead Poet Society. Oh, fantastic. I've been wanting to watch that for a while, actually. Well, let's, yeah. swear, let's see where it's on. Let's do that. Whilst you see where it's on, for those who don't remember this classic, now I'm going to say 90s classic. Yeah, I think early 90s. Oh, do you know what? I'm wrong. This is from 1989. Dead really? Poet. Yes, I know. Can you believe that? Dead Poet Society. That's a bit of a shocker, isn't it, Sarah? 1989. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is starring Robin Williams. Ethan Hawke, Robert Sean Leonard, Maverick teacher John Keating uses poetry to embolden his boarding school students to new heights of self-expression. The good news is it's streaming on Amazon Prime and also on Virgin Go, and you can rent from Amazon, Chile, YouTube, Apple TV and Sky Store, and you can buy it from most online channels as well. Winner of an Oscar for this, this was Best Writing for the Screenplay, and it was nominated mm-hmm. for Best Picture, Best Director, and of course, nominated for Best Actor for Robin Williams. I must admit, it's a good one, isn't it? Dead Poets Society. It is Society. a very perfect drama, yeah. And very it's also one. one of these classic situations of, I think I've only ever seen this once, which might well have been around the time it came out. I think I might have only watched it once and then seen snippets of it at other times. Yeah, yeah. Ah, good. All good. All right. So we'll catch you in uh, two weeks' time. I've still got to catch up on my Peaky Blinders. I've still got to catch up on my Boba Fett. And I've got to continue to plough through Married at First Sight. And who knows, I might watch some films if I can squeeze them in. <laughs> married at First Sight, yeah. I don't know. I Shocking. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm gonna, you're going to get me skin. watching it. I'll end up watching it as well. I don't know if it's your bag. I'd be interested to no. see you'd kind of get hooked on it. Whether, I think it could just annoy you, to be quite honest. Really? I quite like Love Island, so I wonder oh, if right. they're going to do that well, this year or not. Like, if you like Love Island, then I think you <laughs> yeah. probably you probably will like it. No, get or get. Right. Well, thanks very much, Rob. And thanks to our listeners. And we'll see speak, see you. No, we won't. We'll. we'll la, 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 la. <laughs> Time to pour that second glass of wine, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. I've got a big event tomorrow. So I've, my brain is not in gear. You can switch it off for a bit and then switch it back on. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say you can switch it back on now, but that would have sounded like. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. exactly. <laughs> well, to be honest, my brain switched off most of the time. So anyway, I've managed. No, we not. managed to ramble through another episode. Hey, next week is episode number sixty. How about that? Is it really? Gosh, yeah, cheeky little landmark. Anyway, okay, time to say good night. Good night, all. See you next time. Hey, you got a cheeky red wine already? I, I said I got a cheeky red wine. Did you not notice that? No, my brain switched off. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>